I'm I'm for sure planning on it. Honestly, already in my Amazon. Yep. Um, oh yeah, and I just what's it called? Cart. I, I was about to call it an Amazon. Yeah, I was about to call it an Amazon bin. Oh, <laughs> I spent too bin. much time in that. <laughs> oh boy. All right, cart is what I meant. <laughs> Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is our resident thriller expert, Abby Williams. Before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the books for your review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come back to this episode. This episode has a lot of spoilers, so please go read it and come right back. My goal is to have you read these books with us so you can participate in the conversation. At the beginning of each month, I outline the books we will be reviewing, so whether you want to read one, none, or all of them, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science, just purely two opinionated amateur readers, so you may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to, no matter how you like your books. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week, we read A History of Wild Places by Shay Earnshaw. red wine reads so what are we what are we drinking today welcome um, to the show i should start welcome to the show what are we drinking jenna i'm embarrassed because guess what i'm drinking what a cup of coffee okay <laughs> not what i was expecting at all yeah definitely not but always needed because yes i am a coffeeholic i drink it morning noon and night all the time sorry i had a um no online orders. Can you call? <laughs> I have to order my dinner. <laughs> oh, it's like eight o'clock there, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. You eat dinner at eight? Yes, because my boyfriend is a golf professional and he doesn't get off until then. And Dang. I had a late lunch, so. I think I've realized that I'm actually 75 years old. Uh, y- I go to bed at nine. I eat dinner at like, I get off of work at four and I eat dinner at 430. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> oh my gosh, I am so old, it's fine. It's okay. Well, in case you were wondering, I'm drinking a nice little red. Um, it's from Dow Winery. Cab Sav from Dow Wineries. Oh, I Sorry. Love, I love me some Cab Sav. So it's a nice rich one. I felt like it was raining. I get the vibe. I just need to be like cozy. To give you a little warmth every time you swallow it a little bit. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Rainy weather moods. Mm. This week we read A History of Wild Places by Shay Earnshaw. Uh, just a few quick facts before we dive in. Um, this book was published in December 2021, so a relatively new book. And it has earned itself a 4 out of 5 on Goodreads, which is unheard of, really. So people really, really like this book. Well-deserved, Well deserved. Well-deserved. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And uh, Shay Earnshaw is actually a young adult novelist, so this is her first adult novel that she's read or that she's written. For her young adult novels, she won the Oregon Book Award, which is uh, a program that honors the state's finest accomplishments by Oregon writers who work in genres of poetry, fiction, graphic lit, drama, all that. And she's written her two other popular young adult novels were named The Wicked Deep and Winterwood. Uh, have not read either, so I cannot give my opinion. But after reading this book, I would be happy to read her other books. 
I'm I'm for sure planning on it. Honestly, already in my Amazon. Yep. Um, oh yeah, and I just what's it called? Cart. I, I was about to call it an Amazon. Yeah, I was about to call it an Amazon bin. Oh, <laughs> I spent too bin. much time in that. <laughs> oh boy. All right, cart is what I meant. <laughs> it's fine. If you can't tell, we're having a really good week. Um, honestly, it's been one of those weeks where if it weren't for this book, I don't know if I would have gotten through it. Like, I finished it in like two days, but it, it made my week, honestly. Oh, it was so good. All right, let's continue. Right, there's a lot to cover. Yeah, we got to go. Book, okay. So, so we got yeah. we got our uh, main characters. Uh, we So we have Kala. Oh, interesting. I pronounced it Kaya. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I, don't, I, I don't know which is right. Well, so I read half of it and I listened to the other half of it. Um, when I listened to it, uh, they pronounced it Kala. Interesting. I guess it just is the New Mexican in yeah. me. You know, the double L Kaya. with the Y. So Kaya. Um, so you, but yeah, we'll go, we'll go with y- your pronunciation. We'll say it's Let's do Kala, it. Kaya, um, you take your own, your own interpretation. Um, she is also goes by the other name, Maggie St. James. Bum, bum, bum. <gasps> yes. I know. Sorry. I, you know, you know, everyone, I tell you, spoiler alert at the be- very beginning. So you got it. You got to know that going in. <laughs> um, so she, um, or we will ruin your <laughs> or day. Or we will ruin because... your day. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but so Maggie St. James is a girl who goes missing. Um, she's an author of these dark children's books and in, she flees to a town called Pastoral and in Pastoral, she's given the name Cal, uh, now I'm all mixed mixed up, (laughs) Cala, um, and she's the wife of Theo and her sister is B. And then, so Theo, um, his other name is Travis Wren, so he is a detective, we'll get into why they have two names, but he was a detective in charge of finding Maggie, he, in pastoral, he is the husband of Kala, aka Maggie, and is the guard um, in the road of pastoral, kind of looking at who comes in, who goes out, that type of thing. And then you have B, who's the sister of Kala, um, she is blind, and then her lover is Levi, who is the leader of pastoral. And he uses the power, again, we'll get into this, uses the power of hypnosis to fool his community into seeing what he wants them to see. So he has this power over them to kind of make them afraid of the outside world. And um, and we'll get into that. But he's kind of... It's honestly creepy. such a mess. Yeah. Yeah. He's gross. So many things to, to be said about Levi. Oh, so we'll get so to many. it. So mm. I found this summary from Portland Monthly. Um, and I thought it was good. And I think in the future of this podcast, um, if our, you know, thousands of listeners, um, if you want to <laughs> submit a summary to me to read, that'd be great because I can't make my own summaries. So keep that in mind. Um, sense. Yeah. but for now I'm pulling idea. from Amazon, <laughs> Portland monthly, uh, wherever I can get my hands on a good summary. <laughs> so, uh, in a wild hi- in a history of wild places, the new novel from the New York Times bestselling author Shay Earnshaw, husband Theo, wife Kala, and her sister B spend their days fighting the nagging sense that something is waiting for them just out of sight. An abandoned truck, a mysterious illness known as the rot, a world outside that is entirely unfamiliar. To the rest of the world, Theo, Kala, and B are, are the hidden secret in the wilderness, residents of a long-forgotten and deeply isolated commune called Pastoral. 
When a private detective comes calling in search of a disappeared children's author, the lives of the characters quickly unravel as they reckon with sneaking suspicions that they might not really know each other or themselves at all. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. So a very quick overview of what that's about, but anywho, let's just uh, let's just dive right in. <laughs> Let, let's do it. Um, let's start with some things because I think you and I both will have a lot more things that we liked rather than didn't like. Um, so let's kind of start on the things that maybe we weren't a huge fan of in this book. I got to think of them because honestly, like I just have so many praises, which I genuinely don't have. Like most of the time I'm more critical Mm -hmm. than just like, Oh my goodness, that was so good. Um, let's see. I'm going to be honest. So the ending was probably the only part that I had a semi issue with, which it it really isn't a huge issue. Um, it's just more of, uh, (laughs) kind of disappointed, I guess Mm -hmm. how, they just kind of accepted, like, okay, I that my entire life for the last two to three years has been a lie, you know? Mm-hmm. But then they're so, like, they do grow accustomed to it. They want to go back. They feel like it's their home, and I totally understand that. But then you, they didn't even really acknowledge the fact that every single person in, in that place, in pastoral, has also been living a lie. That's not who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so... In reality, are they really going back to a life, or is it all just a made-up... You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, yes, uh, Kala and Theo go back, and they choose to do that because they want to, but did they ever tell... Like, they obviously told everybody. B became the leader, took over for Levi, and all that stuff, but, like, were they given the chance to, you know, find that out? And, like, what was it like when they found out that their entire life had been a lie? Yeah, I think... I kind of agree with you. I thought the ending was, like, very abrupt because, you know, they have this huge climax of, or Levi, I guess, in uh, Theo fighting, and then you have the gun going off and hitting Cal, and you have this whole huge climactic fight. It's crazy. And then they get out, and then they spend, like, ten pages just, like, on them actually being out of pastoral and having Maggie talking to her mom and saying, like, you know, debriefing what happened and how her mom, you know, was in pastoral herself. Which this should have been a way bigger deal. Like, I'm sorry, but I was just kind of like, this is such a plot twist. (laughs) Yeah. And then it just kind of slept through Shay's fingers, to be honest. Yes. And I think that's where she lost me. And so I was like, God, if that would have been just like 10 pages longer, if like this whole conversation unraveled, we got a little taste of like Maggie and you know, or I guess Kala and Theo in the outside world and how, what they didn't like, you know, how they were feeling uncomfortable, what was happening in their heads. Like, I just needed, like, a little bit more to get to, like you said, to not make them going back to pastoral so abrupt and so, like, wait, what? (laughs) No, what? Like, I understand, you know, what is it, Stockholm Syndrome, where you fall Mm -hmm. in love with your captor. That was kind of the vibe I got where it's like, this was you know, this this life made us, like, wipe our memories. We don't remember anything. None of, like, the tragic things that had happened, like, those were kind of forgotten, so this is our happy place. We want to go back to the happy place. But how do you go back to that happy place when things now exist? Like, when your life now exists that you know of, that you had, like, been told to forget? Or to forget? Uh, absolutely. So that's where I was, like, 
it's got to be more complicated than that. And then it just, like, honestly, I think she could do a sequel to it mm-hmm. solely based on the fact, I, I mean, I love B. She, to be honest, she's my favorite character. But number one, when um, Kala and Theo do get back out to the, they escape and they go back out to the real world, they have that encounter with her parents. They, like, didn't check in on B at all. They were like, oh, she's fine. Yeah. But in reality, she almost died. Levi almost choked her to death. And then all of a sudden, she's been blind her like for as long as she can remember now since she was like a teenager. And then all of a sudden, she can see like. And she just fucking killed a man. <laughs> and then she kills a man, and she's pregnant with the man she just killed. Baby, like there's so many layers to that, and they just literally disregarded her. I'm like glad she was okay when they went back because if not, and then on top of that, I thought there would be more to the revelation of. Uh, Kala is Cooper's daughter. Yeah. Like, I love that B was in charge, like, when they, when they came back, but in reality, it should have been Kala, should it have not been? Yeah. Like. No, technically, if, like, you're going off of succession. So, yeah, there was, there was just a little bit of loose ends, and it's hard because this is one of those books where I felt like every detail she included was actually really necessary. It just, I, you're right, if she had added maybe ten more pages, that could have actually told the story that I think some of us were missing at the very end. So what about you? What was your kind of, what was the pitfall of it? I think that, I think I just, like, that was really the only thing I have in my notes was just the ending was too abrupt for me. Um, but honestly, like, other than that, this book was, like, perfection to me. <laughs> it was one of the best books. I, and also just the writing in general. Like, honestly... I don't normally do this, but the writing was so good that I got post-it notes, Jenna. <laughs> I marked pages where I literally read something, and I was like, that was so good. So, assuming that we have the same book, it's page 46, but um, it's talking about, I think it's Kala talking about Theo and her marriage, and it goes, perhaps you were like two old people who have lived together too long, a lifetime, a hundred years or more. The cobwebs of tiny mistruth, little paper-cut deceptions, rooted our joints and slung between rib bones. We build ourselves on this microscopic lies, so small we can't recall what they are. But they're all the same, binding us to one another, but also ripping us apart. <gasps> when, when I read that, I literally was like, oh my goodness. First of all, it's probably what marriage is like just in general, um, which is sad, but I cannot speak from experience here. But the way she just absolutely made something kind of sad just seem absolutely beautiful yeah I was like oh my goodness so yeah Shay is a fantastic writer Shay thank you for sharing your gift with us (laughs) we appreciate you well I wanted to ask kind of at the top of this episode uh before we hit record you were talking about how you had never read a book like this Mm mm-hmm what what do you think would like made it so different than other books you had read in the past? Well, so first of all, it was one of those books I I tend to not like to know how it's going to end, mm-hmm. but a lot of the books I read, I I can know from the first two chapters at least kind of an idea of like okay, well, this person's going to be with this person or this person's going to go missing, this this and this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, I had no clue what was going to happen, especially because I loved that she took two separate stories that you don't realize are actually one Mm -hmm. um 
And the entire time, I'm like, oh, my goodness, they're going to find Maggie St. James. Like, they're going to find her hidden in some cupboard or something yep, like that. Yep. And that it's just absolutely not the case. Um, also, it was an interesting read because there are so many things that she includes in the book that have affected each and every one of us currently or recently in our lives. And yet this is all fiction. So it was, yes, I just, and I actually liked it, which was crazy. Yes. Um, so I think that's kind of what made it different for me. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen and just what she included in the book. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I don't think it was anything like I had read because I kept, (laughs) I kept trying to call the ending. I was like, this is what it's going to be. What if B is like Maggie and they like took away her sight so that she doesn't remember anything. And I was like, that made no sense. <laughs> so it's a no, but I get it. And then that was the thing too is I'm gonna be honest. I loved Levi at first. Yeah, I did too. I loved him. I was like, oh my goodness, I just want him and B to run away together to love each mm-hmm. other. And then the first time you kind of see that shift is when he basically tells B like, listen, I love another person. I'm gonna marry her instead. And then as soon as I saw that flip, it was crazy how. It, it was kind of, I think it was kind of symbolic. Yeah. Like, yes, B was still blind after that, but that's also the start of when she could finally start seeing clearly. Yeah. And I was like, as readers, that's how we felt. Yes. Oh, gosh. And like the symbolism and everything. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. I was, oh, I'm Tanya. And then. I was just sitting there. Well, and then, the, like going off of that, the character development in this was just like so good. Like. Agreed. Like you had this cast of characters and then as the book goes on they're like morphing into these other characters that are completely different than what you started out with I think that was probably one of the most skilled ways to write characters ever I've that's again a new thing that I've never had where it's two separate characters where you have to fully develop them in like that sense but then as time goes on all of a sudden you see them merge and you're like how but yet still there's two separate identities yeah. because they are different people in a way. So Well, and you could have gone in the route where, you know, you're spending so much time with Kala and with Theo that you almost lose that thread of Travis and Maggie, but yet you're getting so much of them, like, discovering these characters. And then you mm-hmm. kind of, like, that moment when they finally, like, meet and, you know, Theo sees the couple running in the field, and he's like, oh, my gosh, that's us. Yeah. And I, like, had to put the book down. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's not what I expected. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I knew something was up as soon as um, Kala found the charm. I, I just knew something. And then when she put it around her neck, mm-hmm. and then she said it felt, it, like, it said something like it felt right. And I was like, okay, something is up. Something is What there. is happening here? So just that, like, slow reveal, too, of that. Like, where she kind of made us feel like we discovered it. But really, she spoon-fed us <laughs> yes. so much on that. But it was honestly so good. And then, Jenna, we have got to talk about this. We have got to talk about talk it. About what? The, par- the parallels between real life, like you and I are living, and what she's put in this book. So... For instance, I could not, could not get past this, and I literally wrote it in all caps, but what's the, um, the little, it's kind of like a, I don't want to call it a nursery, nursery rhyme, 
Oh, rot, rot, you'll soon die of the pox. Rot, rot, they'll bury you in a coffin box. Is it ring around yeah, the rosy, everybody? The rosy. <laughs> and, like, how did she manage to do that? Like, oh, gosh. oh it was so good because I, I knew exactly as soon as she said it, I was like, this is the exact same thing that we do. Like, yeah. Well, and then, like, so then obviously with the pox, I did feel slightly triggered <laughs> because, yes, everyone, this book came out in 2021. Therefore, it was written probably in the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I, I it's kind of like you see it from now an outsider's perspective and you're looking in to see what this society did and the drastic measures. And so she obviously kind of made it political, but at the same time, you know, at the end, it also had a different turn. So I just want to get your, your thoughts on that. Like it, it kind of is pastoral, what it represents. On it, what do you think of how she presented it? Yeah, honestly, my brain took it a completely different route. So I didn't oh. even think of the pandemic when I was reading this. So when I was reading it, I was thinking, and I think this may just because maybe just because I I'm w- watching and consuming a lot of um, like fundamentalist Mormon content. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. A lot of documentaries. So in my brain, I saw it as like here's a commune like completely separated from you know the outside world and it's like these communities of these you know fundamentalist mormons like completely separated from the outside world and you have this leader that is just feeding them lies like you have this leader that is feeding them these lies like rot is going to kill you if you go out in the rain this is going to kill you if you cross our border you know, if you leave our, if you leave our religion, you're going like straight to hell. You don't get your own planet, you know, like all this crazy stuff. That Interesting. And so when I was reading that, that is exactly what I was thinking of. I was like, this is like, this is like re- religious extremism put in a book. But in my brain. Exactly. It looks like they're saving you, trying to help you do this, do that. Like they care about you. Yes. And then it really, it's just straight manipulation. Interesting. Yeah. That's, that, I mean, that's exactly what I thought of, and... Well, I'd be interested to see what Shay Earnshaw, like, says. Like, this is kind of what that was. Because I'm going to be honest, as soon as I heard, like, a, the, the pox were right outside the borders, you can't go out there, I was literally thinking of myself sitting in my room, mm-hmm. locked in here for, for months on end, reading a book, and, like, I'm just like, that's literally what these, you know, these people are doing. They're like, can't even step across the border. Yeah. Whereas we did the same thing, you know? Yeah, you... You're like, can't go to the grocery store. So it's interesting. But obviously, there's parallels in a variety of places, but you're so right. Which makes it such a good book, because you're connecting... Oh, so good. ...different aspects of it. And it shows, like, kind of, like, what extremism does to a community. Mm. Like, you can have all the best intentions. You can have all the best intentions. Like, you want to keep people safe. You want to keep them in a community where they can thrive and they can grow and they don't have these outside forces like in you know impacting them in any ways but it's like you read George Orwell's book like 1984 like you read Fahrenheit 451 you read Divergent every single time they want to create this like perfect world and what happens it doesn't happen then it turns into a dystopia and then you have like all these problems because these leaders are trying to get all this power and they're trying to control and they're trying to hold on to all this power which makes which, like, doesn't work. <laughs> you know what's crazy, though? I think about all these books, and a lot of the time, the thing that is motivating 
um, most of these people is because the leaders are, are using fear. And I mm-hmm. think that was a huge, huge theme throughout mm-hmm. this book as well. It's just this like being overtaken by fear. Um, I remember it, it, it's, I think she says something, I think it's Kaya again. And she says something like, I mistrust my own fear. Yeah. And I, I, I remember reading that and I was just like, oh my goodness, like this is so important. What if more of us actually mistrusted yeah. our own fear? You know, when we're in those situations, when someone's trying to control our thoughts, control mm-hmm. how we feel, the way we act, um, what we do on a daily basis. Like yeah. what if we were just like, you know what, maybe I don't need to be afraid. What if I tried this instead? And like, that's how I felt the entire book. I was like, yes, start questioning, do it, do it, do it, believe like, it's okay. It's fine. It's not that scary. Just do it. Like, I don't know. Cause obviously that was a huge part of this book and it's just crazy how, how many times we fall into that. Like, oh, they know better. Yeah. We'll follow them. Yeah. You like blindly follow someone because they either have more power, they have more experience, they have it kind of reminds me of, like, this is kind of a stretch, but it kind of reminds me of these uh, influencers on, like, Instagram, and, you know, they're oh selling, like, the skinny tea. And Not a stretch at all, Jenna. <laughs> and you're like... Keep it going. You're like, okay, they have, you know, 100,000 followers. They have, you know, a million followers. They've got to know what they're talking about, right? <laughs> and yeah. so you trust this person because they either have a ton of followers, you've seen them on TV, you've heard them on a podcast, for God's sake, and you're like, this this person has to know what they're doing. And so then you just blindly... This is Jenna's subtle plug to become an influencer. Oh, God. Follow. I'm just kidding. Yeah, Dow Wineries. Uh, sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but the thing that I think a lot of people don't think about, and just like all the people of Pastoral didn't think about, they're not considering what that leader is getting in return. Mm. You know, same with the influencers. They don't actually... Be- like, some of them don't actually believe in the products they're selling. Mm-hmm. They're getting you know, compensated for it. And same with Levi. He didn't care about the safety. He wanted, he wanted that power mm-hmm. over them. He could not lose it. He was such a control freak and he wanted it. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. You got to question, what are they getting rather than them just saying, oh yeah, yeah, it's your safety I care about. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The lengths that people will go, even hypnosis <laughs> to like, just to my, you know, in a way, mind drug your whole community <laughs> into thinking yeah. like you are, you know, these people that were buried in the ground, you cut their wrists open and like black goo pours out instead of blood. Oh my gosh. And the thing that I, I absolutely loved, and I think why this book was so good for me, and this is like, I mentioned in, in uh, our previous episode, The Lost Apothecary with Sierra, and I mentioned the same thing where it is a fiction novel. Like this, you know, this, ha- this hasn't happened. This probably won't ever happen. But it is so close to being true I that, that. <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> it's freaking terrifying. But it's also like that's what makes it so good because you're like, oh, shit. Like that could actually happen. Well, well, let's talk about that. One of the most disturbing things for me was when – man, I'm blanking on their names – Ash – so when him and the other guy basically, you know, come back over the border after leaving and then um, that horrific, like, stuff happens. Mm. Getting buried, the arms above the head mm. absolutely go numb. Um, and then obviously Levi makes it so when he cuts their hand, it looks like that black goo, all that stuff. And what is it? Is it a maple tree? Am I remembering that yes. right? Yeah. So that they literally are hung on that maple tree, right? 
And then, like, three days later, they're tying, like, the wedding yeah. ribbon. And I'm just, like, sitting here and I'm just like, how can you have those two things so close together? And I actually think that we do that a lot as a society. You know, one horrific thing happens and then we kind of try to do a little paintbrush over it. Like, oh, this nice thing over it. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it's just like you said. Like, we're seeing it. Act- like, this is completely fiction. But we see it every single day. But you see these parallels of, like, oh, this horrific thing happened. Well, we painted a mural. It, it's just crazy because, like, when I read it, I was kind of disgusted. I was like, oh, my goodness. Why would, like, in a sense, I was like, okay, they're trying to give them something happy. Mm-hmm. And I completely understand that. But, like, how just terrible I felt. I was like, first of all, that poor bride, for so many reasons, mm-hmm. Alice, like, poor poor gal, um... But, like, also, your wedding is completely overshadowed. Like, everyone's going to be looking at that maple tree and be thinking about the the murder they all technically just committed. Yeah. And, like, I'm just sitting there like, oh, my goodness. Like, you can't just sweep it under the rug. And I feel like sometimes (laughs) we do that as a society. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Another thing that was very good was when the book first started, like, you're introduced to Travis Wren. And I was expecting it to be a back and forth between, like, your town of Pastoral and then Travis and what he's doing, town of Pastoral and then Travis. But I think the way that she did it, where she set it up, where it's like, here's this guy, Travis, he sees a guy, and then, like, fully immersed into the Pastoral story. Mm-hmm. Because I think if they try to do parallels, you would have found out a little bit quicker. I agree. And the fact that they didn't is, like... I just thought it was phenomenal. At first, I was very angry because I, I was so confused. <laughs> I was like, who the hell is this Travis guy? No, same. I remember, <laughs> well, I remember turning turning the page because it went from Travis to Kaya, I think, mm-hmm. or uh, Kala. And she, it was just funny because I was like, who's this? What is this? <laughs> and, like, I knew they had to be connected because they talked about um, – Travis had written that note that said pastoral. So I was like, okay, obviously somehow they're connected. But you're totally right. If they had intertwined it any like any more, I definitely would have figured it out. Yeah. Um, so it's amazing because when she made the reveal, I was like, <gasps> gasp. I was shooketh. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely shocked. Like, so and yeah. like I love books like that. I feel like there's not enough books that like actually shock you. Yeah, and. Honestly, the last book to do this was Verity by Colleen Hoover. And oh, yeah, and I still need to read that. I still need to read it. But most of the time I like to do, like, my little detective sleuthing, and I'm like, yeah, this is definitely going to happen. This is definitely going to be the plot twist. But this one, I guess, probably three or four different endings, and none of them matched up. I was like, God, I'm not very good at this. But See, I love that. <laughs> no, it makes for such a good read because you're just surprised at every turn. Right. Well, also, so I thought an interesting thing that she did was include some excerpts from her mm-hmm. her foxtail. Mm-hmm. Like, what did you think of that? I think it was like the third excerpt where it tells the, tells the story of the girl who like went into the forest and then kind of cuddled up there and was found by the wolves, right? Found by the wolves. Mm-hmm. So when it told that story, I started to be like, so Maggie has to be in pastoral. Like, she had to have fled and then gone to pastoral and then written this story. 
So at first I was like, oh, what if Maggie went to pastoral and then left and like got out and then now and then read that story. At first I was like, yeah, that's definitely it. (laughs) And then it wasn't. And I thought that putting those stories in there also kind of threw a wrench in your thinking because you're like, if she wrote these stories, she had to have like gotten them from somewhere, which in you, you don't know anything about the mother being there. So you're like, oh, she's got to, you know, she's got to have gotten out. Or she's written these books and somehow gotten them out into the public. Well, see, and I think you're right about it completely threw me off because, so even, I have no idea which, which excerpt it is. I honestly think it's one of the last ones. But it basically kind of insinuated that Eloise kind of becomes the villain. Mm-hmm. Like everyone and everything is scared of her. So there was a point in my my mind where I was like, oh my goodness, like, Eloise is a real person. Somehow it's, like, one of these people. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I did have the thought, like, who's the, like, this is pun intended, I guess, but, like, who's the queen bee? It's, like, who's the queen of Levi, mm-hmm. like, in charge? Like, is she actually, like, mm-hmm. pulling some of this off? Like, I don't know. I definitely thought of that, but then I was like, no, I like B too much. Yeah. But it's just interesting because I literally thought that – something happened to where whoever Eloise was was actually like a really horrible person and was was doing all this you know in real life yeah it's just so good (laughs) I know I'm just over here like I I made one of my best friends read it I literally she was in town this last weekend I was like it is so good you won't put it down Mm -hmm. and she goes I read like 300 pages in one day and I was like yeah you're gonna do that well that's the thing I don't know why I'm thinking of this but I did have a question that maybe you can answer and maybe I just don't remember Mm -hmm. it but early on when they basically find the first little, like, um, Theo finds the book, Kaya found, finds the charm, mm-hmm. and then B overhears them in the kitchen talking about Travis. And then she goes up to Theo and is like, he was here. He was here. How did she know he was here? Because remember then Theo and B had a conversation where they were like, how would we not know that, like, someone was in here? Yeah, just an interesting thing. I wonder I if like, it was kind of like a crack in the kind of hypnosis where she had you know like if you drink a certain soda and you kind of have like a oh my gosh I remember that time yep. in my life I think that yep. was kind of what happened she heard the name Travis Wren and she was like wait I know that name I know that okay interesting and was like he was in here because you know Theo has been sleeping here and he has been living in this house for as long as B can remember so whether that's Theo or whether that's Travis it's kind of the same person and so I I wonder if that's kind of what happened was kind of like a flash realization like oh he was here yeah you're probably so right (laughs) (laughs) that was a very good right on the moment nice agreed agreed (laughs) yeah but honestly this book was so good well let's get into our final ratings because I feel like we could talk about we could fangirl over this book for uh, days and days oh for sure (laughs) we'll just read this book aloud we'll call it uh yeah We'll do our own uh, narration and we'll sell it on the black market. Our own audiobook. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, wouldn't even mind that. Oh, it was so good though. Honestly, uh, what did you say? It got a four point five. Four point. Is that what you said? Uh, four out of five uh, on Goodreads. Four out of mm-hmm. five. Okay. Honestly, like I feel like that's overly ambitious, but like I loved it. Like honestly, it's probably one of my favorite books now. Mm-hmm. I would give it a four point five out of five. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I gave it a 4.5. Jenna, I think we have the same, like, 
type of books. Think, like, we like them. I think we do. I wrote... So I said, I really enjoyed this book. It was a page turner and had me invested since page one. I didn't see the twist coming, so my jaw was on the floor, all caps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the ending was a bit too hurried, but overall, it was a really good read that got you thinking. Agreed. And now look at us talking. Now look at us talking. It, it like, got me thinking in way more ways than I thought. <laughs> yeah. Masterpiece, Masterpiece is what it is. Yeah, honestly, I'm excited. Did you say Shay Earnshaw has written now three? So she's written two, well, two of her young adult novels have gone, like, have gotten really big. Um, she hasn't re- written any other adult novels. So, oh my gosh, she hit a home run on her first I one. Know. Oh my goodness. I would recommend it to anyone. <laughs> Me too. I've already, I'm going to make my mom read I, it. I gave it to my mom. <laughs> I don't so even have it with like me. This. I gave it to her in Colorado, so there you go. <laughs> well, well, that is how you know it's a good book you when know. you recommend it to your mom. <laughs> well, let's get into our pairings, last part of our episode. These, um, as everyone knows, as our thousands of listeners, return listeners, keep, uh, keep coming back <laughs> to the show, uh, we like to end our show with a segment called Pairings, where my guest and I will pick TV shows, movies, other books that might pair well with today's book. I also um, want to pair a wine with this book as well uh and so i'll go first because i threw that curveball at you um (laughs) i think for a wine to go with this book i would pick a really dry chardonnay because i feel like it's got the summer tones i feel like pastoral is a very summery (laughs) place but Absolutely. it's not like a sweet story. It's a very like dark story. So you kind of want that sweet coming from the Chardonnay and kind of that summery vibe. But you also want that very dry um, taste of like flavor as well because it's just not it's not a happy book. I mean, it yeah. has its. T- I think it adds. I think it adds happy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I would say uh, for a TV show, I did the Wilds. Have you watched that? I love the Wilds, and that's such a good that's a, such a good parody. because that is like plot twist to the max. You know, this plane crashes uh, full of girls, and they have to try to figure out how to survive on this island. I I don't even want to like give anything away in case people want to watch the Wilds because I'm here to give I'm I'm here There's to spoil books. I'm not twist. here to spoil shows. <laughs> yeah, Any, but that's a good. But show. it has a twist, and it kind of compares where these girls think that they're on this island trying to survive and they have this one story that they are fed and then there's a completely other story that's happening at the same time um i would say the book um i'll switch these around a little bit so you can say uh, the one that we both agree on <laughs> uh but my book would be maze runner uh, the maze runner series uh because you have this group of teens that are placed into this world their memories are completely erased except for their names and they have to try to figure out how to get out of this maze and into the world so that kind of memory you know erasing your memory and trying to figure out your way out of a certain place that is um, a similar similar theme that we find with both of these and then uh, for my movie I did before I go to sleep with Nicole Kidman and it was in 2014 with Colin Firth and it's about a woman who uh, has amnesia, and so each morning she wakes up, she has to kind of teach herself who she is, what she, you know, who she's living with, who her husband is, that kind of idea, kind of like 50 First Dates almost. 
but um, it's very dark and so she starts to unravel more of her story, more of who her husband is, more of who like what her life is and who she was before this accident and that kind of idea of you know unraveling that memory loss and trying to figure out piece together who you are that also kind of ties in um definitely agree about the wilds mm-hmm. um in terms of movie um obviously i feel like this is going to be a theme because there is this sense of utopia so i definitely was thinking divergent yes but more along the lines of how they basically are told hey you need to be this one thing like you're born into it but then Tris is kind of like oh you know what I actually like I'm discovering that I'm something Mm -hmm. else and I kind of think that pairs well with this book because it's a lot of like self-discovery about who you've been but also who you are Mm -hmm. and kind of can become and it's merging those Mm -hmm. so thought that'd be good and then obviously the giver I feel like that's the the like right on the head what it kind of is like but yeah so that one's a good book or movie that kind of pairs with it and then you're just gonna laugh about my tv show but it's it's fine (laughs) did uh you watch the woman across the street from the girl in the window no (laughs) no but i heard about it oh my goodness 10 out of 10 (laughs) recommend first of all Kristen bell amazing and it is kind of it's a parody of the woman in the window and all the other across the street. Woman in the, the train. Tree. I don't know. <laughs> woman Literally. on the train. Yeah, the girl on the train. Yeah, girl on the train. So many different mm-hmm. ones. Um, but basically a lot of what those talk about is this like fear. Like kind of not being able to, to, to even try to change anything because you're so overwhelmed by fear. Mm-hmm. So like for instance in the woman across the street in the window. Gosh, that's so long. <laughs> Um, she basically, like, she can't go outside. She's afraid of the rain. And it's very similar Mm -hmm. to pastoral, and they're just fed these lies that it's like, I can't go outside or I'm going to get sick. And same with her. Like, it absolutely, um, inhibits her from, like, going and doing Mm anything. Like, they do, they don't do anything. They don't live life, um, other than gardening and stuff. So, I think that was kind of a good pairing. It's a great pairing. What, what wine would you pair it with? What type of wine would you pair it with? Oh, my goodness. This would require me to know more about wine, Jenna. Um, We're learning together. (laughs) Yes, we are. I'm trying to think. Because you're right, it can't really be a sweet... I was going to say sangria because I was like, ooh, it's like kind of outdoorsy, fun and stuff. Maybe sangria before you put the lime and the orange in it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? That's perfect. That is perfect. Yeah, but... God, this was fun. This is, Jenna, this has definitely been the best book we've read so oh, far. Oh, 100%. And I love it. Thank you so much for, for joining me on the show, Abby. I enjoyed our time. Thanks for having me, Jenna. I appreciate oh. you. And thanks for picking this book because I loved it. It's so fun. Oh my gosh, so fun. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. And leave us a review. Tell us what you like and what you want more of. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. Again, that's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t. Last time, that's rwreadspodcast on Instagram and TikTok. Stay tuned for our Small Sips episode where we do a 10-minute deep dive on any book-related topics. So this week, I am discussing my favorite WTF plot twists I've read in books. What the fuck? How did that happen? How did we get here? Those types of endings. 
So, big spoilers on that one. Next Tuesday, Ella and I will be discussing the book Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. You really won't want to miss it. So, until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all.